Boy, this morning we have a special guest in the house. She has been a friend of the church for so many years and such a blessing in so many ways. What a prophetic voice to this generation. Shaking things up everywhere she goes, Patricia King. We're so grateful for God bringing you, Patricia, to, to the house. And, and uh, we're just so, we're so excited about what you're going to share this morning. Come on up and amen. Give it up to Patricia King. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, what a wonderful service already. And what a wonderful house this is. The reputation of this house goes out all over the world. I so uh, love and honor and respect the leadership that is here. And uh, Dr. Maiden and uh, Mary, especially as they have just forged trails for revival and harvest and sustained discipleship. And so we just bless this work and we know that there's increase uh, coming in this next season, uh, such as you can't even imagine. So just enjoy everything that God has for you. So I want to uh, get right into the message this morning. And um, uh, Dr. Maiden actually asked if I would share on this subject. I've uh, just written a, a new book, and uh, it is uh, called Live Unoffendable. And you can get it on Amazon and other bookstores online, and that comes in the um, electronic version as well. And it might be a valuable tool for you. But um, I, I believe this message is important, and you might even feel a few little owies throughout the message, but they're good ones. It'll be like, ow, oh, oh, that's good, you know? And so just receive them and, and um, enjoy them. Just embrace them as they come. I know this because I receive them myself, okay? So I know how the Holy Spirit works in this. But I want to begin by saying is that love, love is the greatest power in the universe, and God is love. He is love, and we can never forget that. So this majestic, mighty, almighty um, God, creator, that, that uh, we are family in, his, he is love. That is the very essence of who he is. And in the New Testament, we were given a commandment that fulfilled all the other commandments, and it was to love. So in other words, we only have to really stay focused on one thing. And if we stay focused on one thing, all the other blessings are inside of that, and that one thing is to love. And Jesus said in John 13, 34, he said, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you would love one another. And in Matthew 22, 35 to 40, um, a lawyer came to him actually and asked him, teacher, uh, which is the greatest commandment? in the law. And he said that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. And so you just have to, you know, you don't have to even memorize or know or obey all the other and focus on them. You just focus on one and all the others get fulfilled in it. Isn't that easy? Say it's easy. Yeah. 
Okay, it's easy. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says in the Amplified, it says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim and your greatest quest. And so I want to invite you today to make love your greatest aim. Make it your greatest quest. Make it your goal in life. Have one goal in life, and I'll guarantee you that everything else will be fulfilled in it. I, I, I just know it's the way it worked. And in 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul, um, he had a lot to say about love, but he said in that chapter, he said, if you don't have love, you know, you can be a great prayer warrior, you can be, you know, prophesying accurately, you can be a great leader, you can give all your money and feed the poor, you can do all those things. But he said, if you don't have love, you have nothing. And you are nothing. He actually says you are nothing. And it profits nothing. So you could live your whole life pursuing all these other things and maybe showing excellence and different, you know, anointing levels even. And at the end of the day, you stand before God and it's just all for nothing. It's just all nothing. And so when we make love our greatest aim and when we learn to love, um, it, is, it is so rewarding on many, many levels. But today, I, I want to um, focus on one thing, and that is unoffendable love. I want to highlight unoffendability. And um, one of the qualities of love that Paul outlines, he said it's patient, it's kind, it's all those things. But he says it's not provoked or offended. Wow. Okay, so if you're offended, you see love and offense don't go together. So if you're offended, you're not loving. But if you're loving, you're not offended. It's awesome. So I want to share a testimony. I want to start with a testimony. Is I was born again in 1976. And I remember the night very well because I, I was very condemned. Um, I, I was offended with myself. And I lived very condemned, full of shame, full of guilt for all the mistakes I'd made. My life was a mess. I, it was just all chaos. And that evening I came back from a Bible study, an Anglican Bible study that I was invited to where they had all shared their testimony of how Jesus forgave them of their sin and came into their lives and made them brand new on the inside. And I thought, I wonder if he could do that for the likes of me. I thought maybe he had a limit, you know, as to how much he could forgive or whatever. But I got down on the floor and I said, Jesus, I have absolutely nothing to offer you but a mess. My life is a mess. But those people at that Bible study, they said that you forgave them and maybe you could forgive the likes of me. I'd like you to come into my heart like you did them. And you know, I didn't know for sure if he would come in, but I tell you, he did not hesitate. And he will never hesitate. Nothing, nothing can hold him back from coming into your life at any time and in any way. And he came in, and the way I describe it was like liquid love. It was just like liquid love just filled me. That's what it felt like. And I felt so beautiful within. That love washed away all the shame, all the guilt, all the condemnation, everything that I lived under. And all of a sudden, I could, I could feel the true me. And the true you is the one who is perfectly loved by a perfect love God. 
And when you come to know that love, it transforms you from the inside out. So that was my experience. And I, I, I just started sharing the gospel right away. I, I got saved around midnight that night when he came into my heart and I stayed up all night crying because it was waves and waves of love that just came over me. And, and, and I thought, this is too good. I, I, I just couldn't contain it. I was just crying. I got up off the floor around six in the morning. My eyes were all swollen from crying all night. And I saw that my neighbor's light was on. So I ran over there right away because I just thought the whole world needs to hear this. The only reason that the whole world doesn't know Jesus is because they've never heard. So I'm going to make sure the ear and I knocked on my neighbor's door he was getting ready for work and he said hello and, and I said hi and and he says is everything okay I said oh yeah it's good last night Jesus came into my heart and he took away all my sin and he can do it for you too would you like him and he said Patricia are you okay have you gone crazy I said no I was crazy but now I'm not crazy and it's like that started the first controversy in my ministry okay the whole neighborhood uh, heard about that but I didn't care I was just in love with it everyone. I was in love with everything. I mean, I was, you know, opening up the cupboard and, oh, what a beautiful cup you are, you know. It was just like, I couldn't help it. When you're filled with love, you love, right? So over the years, I've attempted to understand love and know what does love look like? And especially when people aren't being loving to you, what does it look like to love in return? Because if love is the greatest power in the universe, then I'm empowered every time I love, Hate doesn't empower, love does. Hate destroys, love builds and edifies. So it was in December of, of 2021, actually, I was in my prayer time, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, Patricia, I would like you to live a life that is unoffendable. And I thought, awesome. I want to live a life that's unoffendable. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't think I was very offendable. I thought, yeah, I hardly ever get offended until I was. And so I, I gave him my yes, and it was probably within the next 24 hours that I was driving down the highway here, out of Maricopa, we live in Maricopa, and I'm driving down the 347, and um, there's like a passing lane that is like a fast lane. You're supposed to be going at least a speed limit in that lane, right? And then the lane on the right, it is for, you know, if you want to go a bit slower. So I'm in the fast lane, and I'm on a mission. I've got to get to where I'm going. And the car in front of me does not get the message that this is the fast lane. And he is going slow, slower than those in the slow lane. And so I had a few thoughts at that moment. And I thought, Sir, you should really be in the other lane. Get out of that lane. And he wasn't listening. And so I thought, well, maybe I could move over into the slow lane and, you know, pass him that way. But I realized, no, the cars are kind of backed up there a bit. And I wouldn't have the ability to get around him. And so then I started getting irritated. And the irritation um, really uh, turned into offense immediately. And I'm yelling at the guy. I'm in my car by myself, but I'm yelling at him, thinking he's going to hear. And the Lord says, so that's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. I want you to live unoffendable. What does it look like in this minute? I thought, wow. Now, I would have just shook that one off. No one was in the car with me. No one heard me. That didn't hurt the guy in front of me. I was just venting. But you see, it was revealing what was in my heart. And if I'm full of love, 
if I'm truly full of love, then no matter what anyone does to me, they could maybe perform an, you know, an irritating act or behavior, or they could be cruel to me or whatever. But if I'm truly full of love, that's all that's going to come out. But if there's offense in my heart, it will come out. And so the Lord challenged me, and you know, I could go on and on with the different things he showed me in that first week. I mean, I found myself offended in airports, in shopping malls, in grocery stores, in gas pumps. Like, I, I couldn't believe, it. I was even watching a television show one night, and I was offended at the character who made a wrong decision. I was just finding myself offended all the time. I had no idea, because we so accept it in society. We so accept offense. It's part of our culture, and it's becoming more and more like that in the world. But we're not of the world. We're in it, but we're kingdom culture. And in the kingdom of God, there is no offense. In heaven, there is no offense. There is only love in heaven. Love is heaven's atmosphere. And so the Lord nailed me. Let's just put it that way. And I said, God, I just want to take this on. I want to learn to become unoffendable. I, I don't want to be offended at any time in any way toward anyone. I only want love to reign. So I'm on a mission. I wish I could tell you that I am the expert on this. And I am seasoned in being unoffendable. But I'm on a journey and I'm not going to stop this journey, not for my whole life. I'm making it my aim to live in unoffendable love. And I'm learning, and I hope that you'll join the journey with me. Okay, and we can all show a lot of mercy to each other. Okay, so let's take a look at a prophetic timetable here. How many of you remember 2020? <laughs> How could we ever forget, right? In 2020, of course, we had the beginning of a new era, and it came in with a big boom, didn't it? We had the global pandemic come in and everything along with it. And with that, with the ushering in of that new era, the enemy released an onslaught of two specific assaults, one of them being fear, and the second being offense. An offense ran rampant in 2020. We were offended um, about how the virus was being handled on every side. I mean, families were at dinner tables offended with one another concerning um, how the virus was being handled. Believers were fighting. We were fighting over things of whether we should wear masks or not wear masks, whether we should isolate or not, whether we should social distance or not, whether um, you know we should uh, have a restriction of gatherings or not. And if people weren't on our side of what we believed, we would be offended with them. There was a fence running rampant over a silly virus that was magnified and that was able to spread, I believe, because of all the talk about it and all the, all the stuff that was going on. We were offended with the stand on the vaccines when they came in, on whether you should have one or not have one, on whether they're good or evil or whatever. And, you know, those things could, you know, people can have their own opinions, their own convictions, that's fine. But when it gets into offense and we start hating each other and throwing out words that are condemning because of your belief about a vaccine, really? We were offended in regards to which political leaders we wanted in power. 2020 was a big year 
for the United States election. And we were offended across the board, even in the church. There was so much division in the church about your political preference. And it brought division in families and churches, and it was all based on offense. You know, we, we are all entitled to have conviction and choice. God has given us free choice, and that needs to be respected and honored. And you can have a strong conviction, and you can preach it in love and speak it in love, but when you start being offended with those that feel differently, and you're bashing them and hating them and hurling out words against them and that, that is, that is just not kingdom. We're bigger than that. That's what I would call a low life. That is really low life. That's a demonic nature. But God's nature is so much greater. And by the way, we, we know who our king is, right? We have our, just saying. Okay, next there was offense regarding racial tensions and perspectives. Remember that one? I mean, there's tremendous uh, stuff going on there. There was also offense regarding prophecies in the prophetic movement. Offense was dividing the house, and a house divided itself will fall. And that's exactly what the enemy was targeting in 2020. He wanted to weaken the nations, and he especially wanted to weaken the church. So his, his assault and his strategy was, I'm just going to... I'm going to initiate offense. And if I get everybody offended with each other, no one's going to have any power, and I'll move in and, and initiate my agenda, and I will have my way then. Because offense will always weaken you. A lot of times people think it strengthens them, makes them feel strong. They feel justified in being offended, and they think it makes them feel powerful. But it's actually the exact opposite it weakens you, and it strips you of your authority. It's very dangerous. We found in 2020, what happened on social media was crazy, right? You, you couldn't post anything without there being an onslaught of offense, no matter what you posted. I remember posting one time, hey, you guys, let's just all love each other. And there was like, underneath that, offensive comments back on, on just a request for us to love each other. Offense everywhere. It was crazy. I had to actually remove two posts, and they were just objective posts, but I had to remove them because they, they spurred on so much offense. And this is amongst believers, folks. This is amongst believers. See, we're bigger than this. We're, we're not made for this. We're made for love. Amen? Now, let's just see what the Bible says about offense. Just a, just a few scriptures. Proverbs 24, 19. Don't be angrily offended over evildoers. Now, a lot of times we feel we're justified in having offense against evildoers, but the Bible says don't be. Hmm. Just saying. Don't be angrily offended over evildoers or be agitated by them. In other words, hold your peace, operate in truth and love, and you'll see greater results. Proverbs 12, 16. If you shrug off an insult and refuse to take offense, you demonstrate wisdom and discretion indeed. But the fool has a short fuse and will immediately let you know when he's offended. 
Woo. Any owies yet? Psalm 119, 165. There is such a great peace and well-being that comes to the lovers of your word, and they will never be offended. Hallelujah. Come on. All right. Well, bitter offense will never produce godly justice or righteousness. It will never produce a righteous reform on any level. Offense must be treated as an enemy if we are going to see God's kingdom advance in the earth. Offense will always weaken you. And some would argue that offense is necessary in the confrontation of evil. But there are ways that you can activate righteous indignation to raise the bar of truth high while powerfully confronting injustices in love and without engaging in offense. Now, maybe allude to that a little bit in this uh, coming part. And, and if not, it's in the book. Okay. What the Lord showed me is he said, every time that you take an offense, and by the way, offenses are taken, they're not given. You can't blame anyone for giving you an offense. If you're offended, you took it. <laughs> you chose it, okay? So you can't blame anyone else for making you offended. No, you took it. But the Lord showed me that every time you take an offense, there are inside of that one offense, there are five deadly elements or five deadly transgressions that are inside of it. So I want to just dissect that for you this morning just to show you how dangerous offense is. And the first deadly element is anger. And that can be anywhere from being slightly miffed to a full-on rage, okay? It, it, you know, you can't just say, well, I was just a little bit angry. You know, whenever we transgress, it gives the devil a landing strip, and that sin starts to work within our life in a destructive pattern. Sin destroys. That's why God says don't sin. Okay? He doesn't want you destroyed because he's a love God, right? So every time you sin, there's a destructive work that goes on inside of you or through you. Now, a lot of times people will say, well, what about righteous indignation? You know, what about that? Well, James 1.20 says that the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So what is the anger of God then? I remember um, years ago, I was over in Bangkok, Thailand, for my very first time over there. I'd been in a prayer meeting, and the Lord said, I want you to go to Thailand. I'm going to show you some things about uh, the, um, the sex trafficking and that. I want, I want you to go there. So we bought a ticket and went and met up with a missionary friend of ours over there. And when we arrived at the airport, we got our bags, went to the hotel, dropped them off, and walked down the street for dinner because we were hungry. Go into the restaurant... And I was traumatized in that very first, you know, restaurant I sat at because at the table right next to me was this Western man, about in his mid-50s he looked, sitting there with a, what looked like a 15-year-old Thai girl who was dressed very provocatively. And I knew right away in my spirit what was going on. He had bought her for the night or the weekend, and uh, she was trying to smile, and the ties have a beautiful smile, but hers was strained, and I could tell that she had fear in her. And, you know, I just, like, I got angry. 
Anger immediately stirred in my heart. I thought, I'm going to go over and give that guy some five-fold ministry. You know, I'm just going to give him a good punch and maybe I could rescue the girl, take her back to the hotel or whatever and see what we could do to help her. And it was just stirring in me. Oh, man, I was mad. I thought, how dare him do that to that poor girl? And then the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want to show you some things about that man that you don't understand. And he started giving me words of knowledge about things that had happened to that gentleman as a child, right from childhood, and things that happened to him in his teen. It was just like, you know, words of knowledge coming to me. And he was a hurting man, and had never felt loved, never felt accepted. And the Lord showed me, he came over here thinking that he was going to receive love in this way that maybe it would give him value. Maybe it would make him feel like he, like he had someone to respect him and honor him. Now I'm really confused because I'm feeling compassion for him and I'm feeling compassion for her, but I'm angry at the circumstance. I don't know where to put it all. I was just like an emotional, you know, a big yuck inside, right? I thought, what do I do, you know? And so the Lord started showing me that his anger is towards the injustice, not towards the person. In Romans chapter 1, it says that the wrath of God is against all the unrighteous and ungodliness of men, but it's not towards the people. And he said, I died for that man and I died for that girl. I gave my life for each of them and I want them to come to me. And he said, if you will follow me and if you will let me, I will show you a way that you can raise the bar on this situation without offense. Without offense towards the person. And you can target the injustice with my wrath. And watch and see what I will do. And so over the next years, I won't go into all the details now, but over the next years, we made major impact in the whole sex trafficking uh, realm that was in, in the world. We were able to change government policies. We were able to see children rescued. We would put boots on the ground. We were able to do all of that and loving people to life, including the traffickers, leading traffickers to the Lord, leading sex tourists to the Lord because they needed to be rescued. They didn't need our anger. They didn't need our judgment. They needed to be rescued, and only Jesus could do that. And so um, we need to learn to rightly divide between the sin and the sinner. I have to get going really quickly here. That was just point one. Okay, point two. Let's let's go number two. (laughs) I've got to do this um, uh, quickly. Okay. I just want to share a, a, a couple things. So, uh, Peter, remember <laughs> Peter? Oh, I love, I'm so glad um, Peter's weaknesses are portrayed in Scripture. But he gets really upset after Jesus comes out of Gethsemane and they arrest Jesus. He's mad, right? So he takes a sword and cuts off the servant's ear. And Jesus looks at him like, hello. 
<laughs> Your offense is causing me trouble. He put the ear back on, but he let Peter know that that wasn't the right response. And um, James and John the same, you know, let's call down fire from heaven and consume them, you know. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come, I didn't come to judge, I came to save. I didn't come to harm. I came to do good, <laughs> okay? So, you know, sometimes we have a little bit of Peter, James, and John in us, right? Aren't you glad that, you know, the Bible just shows people's vulnerability? Jesus said that um, actually anger is on par with murder in Matthew 5, 21 and 22. Okay, the next deadly element is bitterness. And the spectrum of bitterness can be light and subtle feelings of irritation all the way to intense bitter anguish and even hatred. You know, because bitterness starts to, to form on the inside of you. And every time you're offended, there is bitterness involved. And that means opposite of sweet. That's how I always discern it. Am I feeling sweet or bitter? You know, because if it's non-sweet, it's usually got a little bit of a bitter edge to it. And whenever you're offended, there'll be bitterness involved there. The problem with bitterness is once it gets in you, it starts to poison the inside of you really big. And then you start to see life out of a bitter lens rather than a sweet lens. You'll start to see life out of negativity rather than all the positive things that God wants to do. And so we want to avoid bitterness at all costs. But the other thing that's really dangerous about bitterness is we don't keep, we don't keep offense to ourselves, do we? When you're offended, you want to let people know you are. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you've got bitter offense on the inside and you're sharing it with other people, you want everyone to feel the same way that you, you do. Oh, did you hear about this guy? Did you hear what they said on the news the other night? Did you hear this? Did you hear that? And you want them to come into agreement with your offense. And what it's doing, it's, it's defiling many with the bitterness inside of that offense. And I just want to give a warning here because, of course, when people are coming to us with their pain and everything, we want to be empathetic. We want to have empathy for them. We want to care about them, have compassion for them. But make sure you don't take up their offense as you're listening. And I had a situation where uh, someone had just come out of a counselor's office and he had told them all the, the, the bad things this leader had done to him. And then... Um, the counselor got offended with the leader according to his story and hadn't even heard the other side yet. There's always another side, you know that. And so, and that's a good lesson. Never, never make any assumptions until you hear all the sides involved and hear each other's heart. But the thing is, bitterness spreads. Now, that person and the leader that he was offended with, they might reconcile, but the counselor still carries the bitterness that entered at that time, right? So, be careful when you're listening to other people unpack their pain that you don't take up their offense. In fact, you're to help them through it, right? Help them uh, forgive and help them come into a place where they can be safe. In Hebrews 12, 14 to 15, it says, a bitter root will defile many and cause trouble. Okay, so don't partner with it. The third one is judgment. When you're offended, there's always an element of judgment there. You're judging, okay? When you're offended, 
You're judging. Offense has judgment inside of it. And Jesus said, I didn't come to judge, I came to save. He said, mercy triumphs over judgment. And so as Christians, we don't want to be just, you know, judgmental, condemning uh, people. Remember the Pharisees and the uh, scribes and Pharisees? Um, they were in the temple, and uh, Jesus had been teaching. So they were offended at Jesus because they didn't like his doctrine, and they didn't like him. They were jealous of him. So they were offended, and offense fueled their heart to do him harm. If you're offended with someone, you'll want to do them harm. Okay, so they wanted to do him harm. So they come out into the court while he's teaching and they bring this woman who they caught in the act of adultery. Okay, and there might be a lot to unpack in that, but we won't go there right now. But they bring her out and they said, Jesus, um, what do you uh, uh, say that the law says about this? Because uh, we caught her in the very act of adultery and the law says that uh, she needs to be stoned. And they're holding the stones in their hand, right? So they're offended with Jesus, but they're also offended with the woman. Offense, offense, offense. They're going to get them all. They feel so powerful. Now we've got a case here, right? They're feeling so powerful. And Jesus, he's so cool. He's not offended. A lot of times people think Jesus was offended with the religious leaders. He loved the religious leaders. Look what he did for Paul, who was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He didn't like their behaviors, and he addressed it. He addressed the spirits that they were operating in also, but he loved them. And he doesn't show any offense towards those leaders. He just goes down on the ground and writes something in there. We don't know what or why or how long. And they're still saying, well, what do you say? What do you say the law says? They still are, are, are just going after him. And he's quiet. And that's a good thing to do when you've got people who are offended with you and letting you have it. Just be still. Be quiet until you hear from the Lord. And so he finally speaks up. And he said, you who are without sin, throw the first stone. That's brilliant. He's upholding the law. He didn't violate the law. He was upholding the law, but he was also exposing their sin. These are the religious leaders that are trying to be putting everyone down for their sin. And he says, if you're without sin, you can throw the first stone. Well, what happened? They all threw down their stones and they left. They were out of there. No more. He didn't condemn them. He wasn't offended with them. He just spoke the truth in love and let the truth do its work. Then he turns to the woman. He said, where are your accusers? Where are your condemners? And, and she says, there are none. And he was the one who could have because he was sinless. And he said, neither do I condemn you. But then he said this, now go and don't sin anymore. So he upheld the word. He upheld righteous standard, but he let mercy triumph over judgment. He wasn't offended with her, and he wasn't offended with them either. He just handled it so brilliantly. Okay, Revelation 12.10. I might not be able to get all this finished, but let me give you this because it's brilliant. Revelation 12.10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come because the accuser of our brethren has been cast down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. Now, 
accusation, condemnation, judgment, these, these things are involved inside of offense. But it says, when you get rid of the judgment, when you get rid of the accusation, then there's four blessings that invade your life, four blessings that come upon you. One of them is sozo. That's salvation, healing, deliverance, prosperity. Okay, that's the one thing. And then power, that's dunamis power. That's miracle working power starts to visit. The church, when it gets free from offense, we're going to see the power of salvation not only work within the church, but outside the church, into the community, into the nations that we live in. And we're going to see his power. This is a house of miracles. We sang that earlier, but this is a house of miracles. And his power dwells in a place where there's no accusation or judgment, where there's no offense. And then he says also the kingdom will manifest. The kingdom of our God has come because the accusation, the offense has been brought down. And also the authority of the Christ will have authority. One of the reasons why the church is, is not manifesting the fullness of what we are called to is because of offense. And we each have to take responsibility for our part in that. I'll just give you the other two. I'll, I'll just name them. Unforgiveness is the fourth deadly element. And the final one is pride. Wherever there's offense, there's pride because you're con condescending. And when you are, when you are um, um, offended, you, you can't for, forgive and be offended at the same time. Impossible. It's one or the other. And we need to forgive because the Bible says clearly, if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. I don't know about you, but I can't afford not to be forgiven. I can't afford it. I need forgiveness. And therefore, it says, you know, as, as you forgive, you will be forgiven. And so it's very, very important. God is about ready to release a love illusion and manifest the power of love through his church such as we've never seen before. Where we will carry true authority, not because we're operating out of offense, not because we're trying to get back at the one who's hurting us, not because we're rising up in bitterness and feel strong but aren't, but because we've chosen the higher life. We've chosen an offendable love. We've chosen to love well. We've chosen to live in a love element that is full of wisdom and truth and strength and fearlessness. Amen? We're going to see the church rise up in fearless faith. And we will confront injustices. And we will confront wrongs. But in love. In love. Jesus said, they'll know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. When we demonstrate love, the whole world will know who we belong to. Unfortunately, the church right now isn't known so much for its love. But that's changeable. This year. This year it's changeable. We can change it this year. And you know what? It starts with me. It starts with me. I can't wait for like someday, all of a sudden, the whole world's going to change. No, it starts with me right now. And I can change the world that I live in. I can change in my home. I can have a no offense zone in my home. In the workplace, I can have a no offense zone. I can create it. In my sphere of influence, now if every single one of us did that, 
guess what? It wouldn't take long for this to spread like a pandemic of righteousness, like a pandemic of glory. Amen? Because those who are lovers are going to rise and families will be healed. Do you know that most couples that are in divorce courts now, if you look back to it, started with offense. It started with little offenses. There was a man and a woman who loved each other so much and they were in love and they were smitten by each other and they, they get married on their wedding day. They're just like, oh, and la, 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 and go on their honeymoon. But then they get home and they find out that there's some issues in each other's life. He likes everything orderly. He likes his shirts all lined up in the closet, color-coded, creases all in the same direction. She's more creative. She just kind of takes her clothes off and throws them, you know. He likes, he's very orderly the way the toothpaste, you know, works, and she's more creative, like in the middle, whatever feels, you know. He likes, you know, everything orderly in the fridge. Everything has to be in its right bin, the vegetables, the fruit, the meat, the cheese, you know, but she's just kind of more creative, so when he brings it to her attention in the first week after they're married, she says, okay, I'll try. But, you know, it takes a while to get a grace. And, this, and he was getting offended that she wasn't trying hard enough. And then she started getting offended that he was being so obsessive. And before long, they're getting more offended because offense is like a virus. It doesn't stay put in its own little socket. It'll grow into other areas of the life. And 10 years later, they're looking at divorcing each other. How did that happen? Because they squeezed the toothpaste wrong? Because a few clothes were thrown on the, on the floor? How did that happen? Offense. And we can heal families. And families are going to be healed in here today. Families are going to be healed. Relationships are going to be healed. Bodies are going to be healed. Do you know offense, when it gets in you, it creates potential for disease. Cancer, arthritis, heart conditions, stroke issues, all those neurological issues. Offense will damage you. But love, <laughs> love will empower you. If you're willing to take a stand for love right now, stand to your feet right now. If you're willing to say, I want to turn away from offense and live the high life of love, and I'm going to commit myself to the grace of God to enable me to walk that way, stand to your feet. And you know what? I know that some of you received little owies today when the Holy Spirit was saying, that's you, that's you, that's you. There's no condemnation in that. You say, yay, he nailed me. Yay, I get that. And the more you become aware of it, the more you'll be able to help each other when you say, you know what, that sounds like offense. Let's deal with it. And you'll catch yourself. And the more you do, and the more you turn away from it, the stronger you'll get. You know, in that first week, every day, I was convicted multiple times a day of offense. And I didn't even think I was offendable. But then over time, I'd go whole days without conviction whole days at a time without being convicted. You'll just get better and better and better as you make this commitment. So pray after me. Lord Jesus, I receive your love and I receive your heart. And I ask Jesus that you would forgive me 
for every time I have violated love by being offended. I receive forgiveness and I receive grace now to be empowered to live an unoffendable life. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, let your love blood just wash over everyone right now and release them into the fullness of your goodness. Heal their bodies, heal their souls, drain out of them any anxiety or threads of hatred or confusion. Lord, you love them so much and you just want them free. Thank you, Lord, that their body is a house of miracles. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.